Where great ideas flow together. This is Confluence, where great ideas flow together, the podcast of the Graduate School of the University of Montana. I'm Ashby Kinch, Dean of the Graduate School. On Confluence, we travel down the tributaries of wisdom and beauty that enrich the soil of knowledge on our beautiful mountain campus. Juthika is a wonderful human being. One thing that makes Juthika unique is that not only is she really interested and passionate about the content area that she's studying, but she's really shown great interest in learning about the different methodologies that we use to better understand these topics in public health. She's got a real knack for analytic thinking, for working with data, for designing and implementing analyses. And one of her dissertation projects involves doing in-depth interviews with public health nurses about their approaches and their um, challenges in offering HPV vaccination to adolescents. From those interviews, she's gotten really rich, important, and informative information. You just heard the voice of Sophia Newcomer, professor of public health, talking about her student, Jutika Takar, one of the Bertha Morton Graduate Student Scholarship winners for 22-23. This episode is part of a series recognizing the achievements of some of our outstanding graduate students. The Bertha Morton Award, named for a great Montanan who dedicated her life to public service, was endowed to support graduate students by recognizing the distinctive contributions they make in research, creative activity, and public service. Jutika is an advanced student in our PhD program in public health who has contributed a number of publications on childhood vaccination uptake, including specific studies of rural vaccination and the human papilloma virus. Her research record and her commitment to public service make her a fitting inheritor of the Bertha Morton legacy. As a bonus for Confluence listeners who love the flow of poems we share, we've got a treat. Jutika reading a river poem by Rabindranath Tagore, the great Bengali writer who was the first non-European writer and the first poet to win the Nobel Prize for Literature. We're proud to share her graduate story with listeners. Enjoy the float. The Golden Boat by Rabindranath Tagore Clouds rumbling in the sky, teeming rain. I sit on the river bank, sad and alone. The sheaves lie gathered, harvest has ended. The river is swollen and fierce in its flow. As we cut the paddy, it started to rain. One small paddy field, no one but me. Flood waters twisting and swirling everywhere. Trees on the far bank smear shadows like ink. On a village painted on deep morning gray. On this side, a paddy field, no one but me. Who is this, steering close to the shore, singing? I feel that she's someone I know. The sails are filled wide. She gazes ahead. Waves break helplessly against the boat each side. I watch and feel I have seen her face before. Oh, to what foreign land do you sail? Come to the bank and moor your boat for a while. Go where you want. Give where you care to. But come to the bank a moment. Show your smile. Take away my golden paddy when you sail. Take it. Take as much as you can load. Is there more? No, none. I have put it aboard. My intense labor here by the river. I have parted with it all. 
layer upon layer. Now take me as well. Be kind. Take me aboard. No room, no room. The boat is too small. Loaded with my golden paddy, the boat is full. Across the rain sky clouds, heave to and fro. On the bare river bank, I remain alone. What hath has gone? The golden boat took all. Thank you for joining us on Confluence, Jutika. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, so it was great to see you at GradCon. I got to see you present at the lunchtime panel that the Institute yes. of Health and Humanities sponsored. It was a fascinating panel on the impacts of COVID. And you brought this distinct perspective, which is the impacts on a part of the world that's a billion people that yes. um, doesn't get a lot of press in the United States. So tell us a little bit about that and, and what you've learned during, especially in your role as a, as a graduate student in public health about COVID and its impact on India. Sure, yeah. So Dr. Kimber McKay, she suggested my name, like she invited me to be on this panel and I seized the opportunity. Luckily for me, last year when the second uh, COVID hit wave, uh, COVID wave hit uh, India, I was there. So I could see the devastation firsthand. It was really bad at that time. And, and I've been following up people and seeing interviews of people. And usually when we talk about COVID, we talk about more in the context of developed countries, as you mentioned. But it's also very important to see how pe vulnerable populations residing in developing countries have been devastated by, by this uh, pandemic. So I thought it would be really nice to talk about South Asia. And Dr. Kimber make a kind of, you know, did encourage me to, you know, speak about South Asian countries. And she said she would be speaking about East Africa. So I did a lot of research to present at the panel. I looked at what happened in India. I looked at what happened in Nepal. And I could, I could see that, I mean, when you look at statistics, this pandemic has mostly affected people who live below poverty line. They have been uh, pushed into extreme poverty because of pandemic. So if I have to give you an example, about... 80% of garment factory workers in Bangladesh lost their jobs. Mm. So basically, and these are the people who don't have any safety net, they don't have any health insurance, and they are the ones who suffer the most. Mm. And similar stories, and, and you can see similar stories coming out of countries like India. Right now, as we talk, there has been a lot of political turmoil in Sri Lanka, and they don't have money to buy fuel. And this was because they lost a lot of their income because tourism was affected because of COVID-19 pandemic. And that in some countries like Sri Lanka, they heavily rely on tourism for, uh, you know, for their economy and to get this money to keep the country going. So Yeah, and especially you know. infusion of cash into a country where the people need cash in particular. They need yes, direct yes. payment. Yeah, uh, like, so they it, it's called rem remittances. So... Mm -hmm. As pandemic hit, people lost their jobs and then the flow of money into the country by expats living in other countries and, you know, uh, earning money that that reduced. So that also had a very great impact on Nepal's economy mm -hmm. because a lot of their economy also depends on remittances that they get from other foreign countries. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and, and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, on the podcast was exactly that, that you bring this really unique and important perspective to this campus in particular. But you're also a winner of the Bertha Morton. Yes. Uh, congratulations for that. Thank um, you. What did that mean to you, winning that award? It was great. I mean, I, I, feel, I feel very honored to be a recipient of, of the scholarship. But more than that, you know, when we do research, we, our advisors always motivate us and tell us that, you know, this is an important work that you're doing. But sometimes external validation, acknowledgement 
is also very important to keep us, uh, you know, going and doing this wonderful research that all of the recipients are doing. So yeah. it, it means a lot. And I I was asked to apply, like Dr. Sophia Newcomer, my advisor, asked me to apply for this scholarship. And I started reading about uh, Ms. Bertha Morton, and I read that she worked all her life and then donated income to, you know, help uh, academically driven uh, students like myself. Yeah. And which in, in itself is so inspiring to thousands of students that study at the university. Yeah. And I feel like the values that Miss Morton followed in her life, I feel like my career choices and the principles that I follow in my life are quite in align to each other ever since I was growing up. My father has always encouraged us to study more, to gain knowledge. He wanted us to see the world. So he was very keen on sending me to some other country, like, you know, just to understand the culture. And he was like, you know, even if you just feel too homesick, don't worry about it, just come back home. I just want you to go experience different people and, you know, make new friends. And the world is very different from what it is here in India, yeah. and uh, I want you to go out and explore. So, well, let's let's continue in this in that vein. How did you end up in Montana? What, yes. what was it? so you've been exploring the world. Your father pushed you out the door, yes. and you you have had some experiences. But how did you end up here? Yes. Uh, so before I tell you about my UM story, there is I just want to let my audiences know that there is there is a beautiful phrase in, in a book called The Namesake by Jhumpa Lahiri where they say, you know, pack a pillow and blanket and see the world. You uh-huh. will never regret. Yeah. So I, I tend to live my life, uh, you know, in lines to what, what was said. So for my UM story, I, I was working as a... So I finished my master's in health administration at the University of Columbia, uh, Missouri in Columbia. And at that time, I had a group of friends. All of them were doing their PhDs. And it was always fascinating to hear their research stories. Um, I was just fresh out of college. And I started working as a research coordinator at the same university with a team of, of researchers who were working towards finding a solution for sleep apnea in children. So again, surrounded by researchers, and it was it was a really fascinating experience. That that kind of motivated me to go ahead and pursue a PhD. So I had been contemplating doing a PhD, but wasn't sure if I was ready to commit to four to five years of studies. But then working as a research coordinator, that kind of ignited a fire in me to you know go ahead and do a PhD. And I was looking, I was researching colleges, and in that. During that time, my husband got a job in Helena as a quality specialist. So he moved to Helena, and then he asked me to check out University of Montana. And he said, you are interested in public health. There is a school of public health here. Why don't you, you know, read about it, see if the research aligns with your career goals, etc. So I did go through the website. I liked what the professors here were doing. And then I reached out to Dr. Curtis Noonan, who was the administrator at that time of the PhD program. And he was very motivating, very encouraging. I asked, I told him, I have a few questions. I want to talk to you. And he said, why don't you come over for a seminar? Mm. Just see, you know, what kind of projects our students are leading, talk to them, and then you come to me and then we'll talk more about what questions you have. So that kind of, you know, that kind of really made me interested in exploring more. So I went to him, I spoke to him, and I I told him these are my research goals and this is what I want to do. And that's kind of where we found, I I found my match. I thought this program is great and and I would tell you I haven't regretted my decision even for a minute here. Well, that's what I'd like to hear. Yes, yes. (laughs) I, I, professors at the, um, at least overall in the University of Montana, but my experiences are more with the professors at the School of Public Health. They have been very encouraging, not just they, not just academically, but also, you know, they are interested to know more about our career goals. 
and uh, my advisor in particular she's always like you know what can i advise you more on okay mm. what do you want to do in the future so if you want to become a you know become an academician if if you want to get into academics do you you know do you want to become a ta or do you need more opportunities what are these opportunities etc so and you have taken her up on that you've done a couple of teaching opportunities here at the university yes. I, I you know your cv is full of professional development yes, and yes. Uh, it's very impressive you've been a co-author on a few publications yes. and they seem to cluster around vaccine yes. uptake yeah. and particularly the human papillomavirus right yes. and which is a very tricky one can you talk a yes. little bit about what got you into interested in that research angle sure yeah yeah so human papilloma virus is the most common sexually transmitted disease in the united states uh, there are about 13 million new infections emerging every year and hpv is also known to cause a variety of cancers like oropharyngeal cancers um, anogenital cancers etc and we have a vaccine here and and let me tell you this there are only two vaccines in the world right now that can prevent cancer that in itself is very fascinating hepatitis b is one and hpv vaccine is the other so we know that and there have been multiple studies that have shown that hpv vaccine is safe it is effective in preventing cancers but still we haven't reached vaccination rates that we would like so in montana we have consistently lagged behind our uh, hpv vaccination it's it's a series which is given in two or three doses so our series completion rates has been you know at 58.4% which is much lower than we would expect cdc so there is a recommendation that we at least need 80% coverage mm. and we are way behind that so that is something that that really motivated me to to do some research in this area particularly in montana and uh, there is a reason for that if you look at research which has been done in the past we see that rural communities are facing a disproportionate burden of hpv associated cancers because of low vaccination rates and also because there is higher incidence of uh, hpv associated cancers in this population and montana being a largely rural state you if you look at the rates you can see a consistent urban rural disparity so rural areas have higher vaccination rates when compared to sorry urban areas have higher vaccination rates when compared to rural areas so this is something that um, i wanted to work towards i wanted to work towards improving vaccination rates in rural areas and uh, my the main area the main focus of my research is how to engage nurses in doing so and the reason for that is because uh, mostly in these rural areas adolescents tend to use uh, public health departments to get their vaccinations and in these public health departments nurses are the ones who typically interact with patients and parents so they're sort of the ones you need to t- to sell the vaccine to the patient yes, right to yes. to convince them this is a good idea this is in your best yes, interest yes yes and uh, also if you Uh, the research that has been d- uh, done so far in understanding how provider communication is influential in whether parents decide to vaccinate or not vaccinate the children so these studies of vaccine confidence have largely focused on pediatricians and family medicine physicians there is less done on nurses and medical assistants but they do play a crucial role in adolescent immunization services so i thought this would be a good area to focus and uh, i finished a survey of nurses all over uh, it was a statewide survey we had survey sent out to all types of clinics in in montana so this was my first study i'm looking forward to the pu- to publishing the results but for my second study we we decided to focus our uh, 
interest on public health nurses. And this is, so we're going to recruit nurses and we're going to talk to them about how, what are the clinic processes that they use? Like if there are any needs, what are the barriers to, barriers to and facilitators of HPV, promoting HPV vaccination to age, adult, age eligible adolescents? If there is anything that we can help them with, are there any knowledge gaps? You know, if they need any any more resources from the state health department. So, so far, whatever projects we have done are in collaboration with the Montana State Health Department, which is a good thing because we share our results with them, which also guide them to, you know, which also guide and inform further initiatives to engage this professional group in promoting HPV vaccination. Right. And so this would be a, f- a field where um, the abstract study is not the important part. The important part is the applied bit. What, how does it get into the exactly. field, impact yes. the way providers yes. provide service and then therefore positively impact yes. public health. Yes, definitely. Fantastic. And so we see that you, you're projected to complete your dissertation next year. And then what's next? Where, where What are you going to do when you're done with your doctorate? Sure. Yeah. So I want to continue researching in this area, but at the same time, I want to take the expertise and skills that I've learned in my PhD program and apply them to strengthen public health infrastructure in India. Okay. As Yes. As we talk in India, more than 74,000 women even today die of cervical cancer. Mm-hmm. Now, if you compare that to America, uh, United States, or if you compare that to Australia, Australia is said to be the first country to eliminate cervical cancer completely mm-hmm. because of a national immunization program. Yeah, yes, so high. Yes. So I just feel like you can see the disparity here. And I... I don't like that if there is something preventable, nobody should be die- dying because of that. And I and I think it's it's also comes down to the point of health promotion and health literacy in India is much lower. People are not aware of HPV vaccine, and I want to kind of work in that area, and probably you know uh, try and lobby the government to have a policy wherein you are offering HPV vaccines at lower rates because we don't have like universal health coverage in India. We don't have that just like we don't have it in the United States. So, but then if we want the vaccine to reach people, the most vulnerable sections of the society, we need to do something about the cost. It Mm. cannot be as costly as it is right now. And I have friends, so I studied dentistry back home. I am a registered dentist in India. And when I talk to my friends, we were never taught about HPV vaccine in our college. And even now, when I talk to my group of friends, they don't know what HPV vaccine is and what Mm. it does. So that's where kind of, you know, health literacy uh, ties uh, comes into picture. Mm. So just promoting... Making changes in the health education and health... uh, the, the trainer uh, side of it as well as the the cultural side and the cost yes yes yeah i mean it's things are improving i i said i was in india last year and i was and my brother shared my nephew's vaccination schedule and hp vaccine was on it okay and well, i was very start. yeah i was yeah so mm. so we are getting there it's just that it needs a little bit of push mm. and some initiative from the government to you know offer these at at health centers across the country because we have other vaccines. So we have other vaccines like polio, va- polio vaccine or um, BCG vaccine, which is given to given for tuberculosis in India. So these vaccines are available at health centers, but HPA vaccine is not available. So it's still not within the reach of certain sections of the society. Right. Like, you know, not everybody goes to a pediatrician has a fancy with a fancy office in India. Yeah. It's also these poor people that... Yeah, and I'm guessing 
as in the United States, there's cultural factors that interfere with people's uh, belief systems to stop them from getting it. When before we came on air, we were talking about uh, the linguistic diversity of India, and it's you know incredibly big country to begin with, both yes. geographically and numerically, but also many different languages. So you, at some level, you also have to address the cultural differences yes. across the country. Yes. So I mean. Just like when the when the HP when HP vaccine was introduced in the market, it it gained a notoriety vaccine that prevents sexually transmitted diseases. So a lot of parents, when you offer uh, this vaccine to uh, the parent of a child who's 11 years old, there's a social uh, stigma because yes, yes, they don't want to associate it with sex yet yes. because they're so young. Yes, yeah. yeah, definitely. So now there has been a wave to shift the focus from calling it a vaccine that prevents STDs versus calling calling it a vaccine that prevents cancer. Cervical cancer. Yes, yeah, yes, right. yes. So so basically, I think that's something that if being propagated in India, just like in the United States, I think would in, would uh, encourage a lot of people to get the vaccine yeah. for their children. Yeah, that's so, excellent. Yeah. And that's a, such a great example of default shifting uh, in public health decision making in general. You want to You want to constrain or construct the choice so that it's pushes people in the in the the more yes. productive direction right? yes yeah. yeah and doesn't trigger other questions you know? right yes yeah. yes wonderful yeah there have been a lot of research uh, when it comes to provider communication as to how to present HPV vaccine so you know they also they call it same day same way as in like just like you recommend other adolescent vaccinations recommend the HPV vaccine or you know, use a presumptive approach versus conversational approach. So basically, with providers, rather than saying, um, you know, your uh, child needs HPV vaccine, do you have any questions, something like that, uh, we would just tell them your child is due for. Yeah. When, when would you like to take the, uh, the yes, vaccine? Yes. Rather yeah. Than, do yeah. you want to take it? Yeah. 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 Rather than saying, do you want to take it? We just tell them this is important. Yeah. It yeah. is necessary to prevent cancer. Yeah. So your child needs it, and I'm going to give it. Excellent. So, yeah. Well, so that that was a bonus for Confluence listeners, a new understanding of the HPV vaccine yes. as well. But thank you so much. Congratulations again for the birth of Morton, and thank you so much for joining us, Confluence. Sure. Thank you for having me. If you like what you've heard, you've got Kate Lloyd to thank. She's a student in our MFA program in media arts. Her deft ear and keen editing touch have created the sonic landscape through which you're floating. We'd like to thank UM's College of Arts and Media for providing studio space and talent to support this production. Confluence is brought to you by the Graduate School of the University of Montana. Innovation, imagination, intellect to serve the state, the region, and the world. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google by searching Confluence University of Montana or click a link at the Confluence website, www umt.edu slash grad. On the Telling Our Story tab, you'll find podcasts, videos, and other media that help us share with the world the groundbreaking research and creativity happening at the University of Montana. Enjoy the float. And I'll wash that. Mm-hmm. And say it, and say it, From and Pride it. and Prejudice. <laughs>